Welcome to Real Estate Investing in the Real World podcast. The topic of this episode is how to turn a little into a lot with real estate. Hi, I'm Phil Pustiowski with FreedomMentor.com. This is part two of this video. And so if you haven't seen part one yet, Stop this video. I have a link just below here that goes back to part one. Watch that one first. All right. So for those of you who are coming here from part one, let's get started. All right. So where we left off was we have this, this seed money and maybe you got it from an inheritance. Maybe it's a line of credit from your home. Uh, maybe it's a, uh, it's, it's some sort of settlement that you got. Maybe you just saved the money because you are Mr. or Mrs. Diligent. Either way, you got $50,000 and you're trying to figure out what's the best way to invest it in real estate. So we talked about in part one, traditional. And with traditional, we talked about how you're able to put that money into a down payment, into uh, earnest money, into closing costs, maybe fix-up costs or rehab costs. And what you're able to do then is either... You can either fix it up and rent it, or you can then uh, fix it up and resell it. Maybe you didn't have to fix it up. It was already rented. And we talked about some of the cons. You know, We, we talked about how it does require uh, money on every single transaction. means you got to close on it. We talked about how when things go wrong, you know, what, what happens there. We, uh, we mentioned the issue of just being so rigid, and there's no real creativity there. And many other cons that we had mentioned, no control. Well, in this video, what I want to talk about is the other side, okay? The other side to this business is the 10% side. It's the creative side, okay? Creative. Put in parentheses 10%. Most people either think this doesn't exist, they think it's illegal, they think it doesn't work in their area. I hear that all the time. Look, we have... <laughs> We're doing this in all 50 states and in all, um, in, in all the provinces of Canada. We know it works. So don't worry about trying to uh, debate me on it. We're already making money with it. All right, so with the creative style, the first big delineation, how I really segment it. Remember, because with traditional, I said you find them with the two A's, with agents and with auctions. Here, you're going to do the deal sourcing the way you're going to find your uh, your deals is through your own marketing. Rather than hiring a real estate agent to find the deals for you or going to auctions, rather than making offers on listed foreclosures, rather than doing that, that's the traditional side. With creative, you're going to go directly to the sellers directly to the sellers. With creative deals, when you're buying the property, not necessarily when you're renting it or when you're selling it, but when you're buying it, you work directly with the sellers. That's the key delineate, that's the key separator. So when you find the deals yourself, then you have the ability to negotiate creative terms. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say creative terms. This could also be creative financing. The way you're going to acquire the property or whatever you're going to do with the property, control it, can be creative. Meaning you don't, and so this is another word for no banks. 
No loans in many cases. Obviously, you could use that tending, but the, the goal here is with creative investing, if you're working directly with the sellers, you can work out creative terms. I have some great videos on this. Uh, one of those videos was how to buy real estate without cash or credit. I think it's up to like 500,000 views at this point. Um, it was a um, presentation I gave to the University of Central Florida MBA um, real estate department. So creative terms, what I had talked about on that video, I talked about uh, subject to, what's that? That's where literally the, the borrower's loan stays in place. You become the owner, the property gets deeded to you, but the loan stays there and you just make payments on their loan. You literally just send the payments directly to that mortgage company. Does the, does the bank accept their money? Yes, they do. They just want the they just want the payments. We also talked about this thing in that video called owner financing. Owner financing is where the seller agrees to be the bank. So if they own the home and they have a lot of equity, as opposed to paying them their equity, you just literally pay them over time. They become a bank. And then we we've even talked about in. in Small examples like a, a lease purchase, that's where you kind of control it by leasing the property with the option to purchase. And then there's other things that we can do creatively where we just we, we get it under contract and then we just, I use this phrase, flip it, where we basically assign the contract to a new buyer and we just make a fee. Um, now, is that legal? Well, if you do it right, it is. Otherwise, in certain states, if you don't do it right, they consider practicing real estate without a license. I have a great video that describes how you balance that. So there's a lot of things you can do when you work directly with the sellers. And so that is what separates creative. So now let's get our money back. Okay, so you got $50,000. How can you parlay that from a little to a lot through creative investing? Well, by marketing directly to sellers, which by the way can take time, energy, and or money, so there might be some money here to find the deals, but they're going to be a heck of a lot less than the cost of, say, 6% commission or 3% commission to an agent. whole lot less than that. whole lot less. But there might be a little bit of money there. And then you're going to structure creative terms. You may have zero in earnest money. Actually, what we do is I do a $10 earnest money. And people all the time tell me, that doesn't work around here. Yes, it does. If you're working with the right kind of seller, we call them motivated sellers, $10 earnest money is all you need, almost always. Now, I have videos that talk about how to buy real estate with no money, but now we're talking about some money. So what? how does that work? Okay, well, a little bit of money can go a long way in creative, not only from the, the marketing side of things, but also from the fact that you then could give the homeowners a little bit of money. So if we go back to the subject two example, if somebody owns a home and I've got a deal that I'm supposed to be looking at after this video this afternoon, the person wants $5,000 to pay off the 401k loan that they used to pay the closing costs when they did a traditional purchase on this a year and a half ago and they got a VA loan and they bought it as a foreclosure. So it already had some equity and they already did some uh, sweat equity. They already did some work to it. So they need $5,000 down. This, this deal I'm looking at today, so this is really uh, here, you know, uh, recent. So they want $5,000 down. Now, there will be some closing costs to record the deed and all that stuff. And there's insurance, so I'm going to add another $3,000 for that. And I'm going to say that's for closing. All right, so let's say it's 
And then this house does need a little bit of fix-up. So I might need to put a little bit of money in there. So I, I'm thinking I could probably get away with about 5000 But what we'll do is we'll make the numbers round here. And we're going to say it's going to take another 7000 and uh, and fix-up. I hope that's showing up on the video down there. And so we'll put it up to here. So with $15,000, what I'm going to do, potentially, I have to go look at this deal one more time and just make sure I've got it all dialed in, I've got all my numbers right. If I basically give her, uh, give the seller $5,000 and I do the closing costs and the fix-up work, I could do one of two things. Number one, I could put it back on the market. Oh, by the way, she uh, they owe, well, my understanding is they owe like $88,000. Now, I'd have to verify that. I mean, I don't know that for sure yet. We'll see. We'll see if she's current or behind on payments. We'll find all that out if I get another contract. All right, so uh, we're at 98, 98 plus, we're at 90, uh, we're at 103. So the total amount at the end of this deal is 103. I've been looking at some comps. You know, depending on what I do, I mean, I think this thing can comp out at 120, 130 very easily, um, very easily. Nice little neighborhood. So if I put 15,000 into it, I'm going to control a home at 103, whereby 88,000 of it, I literally took it over subject to. I just took over the payments. I didn't qualify for the loan. I'm not assuming the loan, none of that stuff. I'm literally just starting to make payments on that loan. And then I'm in it at 103, and it could sell for 120, 130. Now, it could appraise for a little bit more than that. So I could decide to rent it, right? And the cash flow, if I rented it, and man, I'm running out of room here, so... See what I can do here. I'm gonna give us some room. Um, if if I'm in it at uh, at 15, I I'm thinking it's gonna cash flow for at least 250. That's positive. That's after all expenses and maintenance. This thing can cash flow pretty well because it's a VA loan at like 4% interest, low payment. All right. So if I'm getting 250 a month over the course of uh, of a of times 12, well that's gonna be what. If if I did ten, it would be two fifty, and then another two. So that's like what three thousand. That's three thousand, and like I said uh, on on part one, it's probably not going to be taxed very much uh, because of depreciation. This may get taxed a little bit, but not much because of depreciation. So I could just get the three thousand a year. Now one other thing I would do is I would put in a tenant buyer and ask them for five thousand dollars down. So that would take my fifteen back to ten. And um, and there I am, I'm getting three thousand a year, right? I could do it that way. In a couple of years from now, I could sell this thing for, let's say, I sold it to the new tenant buyer for one forty. That's what you do with a rent to own. And sorry if I'm going a little fast here. Uh, hang in there. Uh, uh, you may have to watch this twice. So I could go. You know, if I'm in it at one hundred three, I'm making three thousand a year. Uh, at some point, I might be able to sell it for one forty, either to that person. Or the next person I sell it to. So quickly, I took that 15 and I was able to control a deal making great cash flow uh, as well as having good equity spread right from the very beginning. And with 15, I, I still got 35 left, right? Now I could have also just picked it up at 103, done the, I mean, done a little bit of fix up to get it to 103 and then put it on the market for say 130, 120 and made a little bit of money. In fact, if I put it on the, on the market at 130 and it sold there, I basically doubled my money. I took my 15 and turned it into 30. That makes sense? So the creative style of investing gives you the ability to do things like this, the subject too. Ah, oh, but there's some other cool tricks too. Let me show you this one. All right, so this one's really cool. So one of the things that we do is, is a short-term 
short-term owner finance. Watch this. Again, it's all predicated on a motivated seller and you're working directly with them. No agents in the middle, not an auction, nothing like that. One of the cool things we've been doing recently is this. So the person owns the home free and clear. So they got a $100,000 home uh, free and clear. What I mean by that is there's no loan against it, no liens, no nothing. It's just free and clear. What we'll do is we'll say to the homeowner this. We'll say, you know, if if you want all cash for this, we'll pay you 50. And they're going to go, I would never accept 50. Go to hell, right? <laughs> uh, that's what the homeowner might say to me, right? Um, then I say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, why are you selling? You know, what, what's your story? And they say, well, we need to move. Oh, gotcha. How much is it going to cost you to move? Well, everything, I mean, it's going to be at least 3000 for the mover and this. And let's say they come up with a number 8000 I'm using this number because a deal like this we just did with this number. So 8000 We say, well, let me ask you this. What if we paid you 8000 for you to get moved out? And then what if we paid you the balance? And let's say we made the offer at, uh, at 70 Made the offer at 70 We'll pay you 8000 right now. And then we'll pay you the other 62 in about three months. How's that? This short-term owner finance, we've been doing it like clockwork recently. And then we do variations of it with the subject to and owner financing. It gets a little more complicated. But here's the cool thing. Grave investor, you got $50,000. The homeowner needs eight grand. They become your hard money lender, if you will. You make the homeowner your hard money lender. If you bought it at 50 and you used hard money, you would get a better deal. But they don't really want to sell their $100,000 house for 50. But if they're really motivated, they may sell it for 70, and they'll see that you're they're getting $20,000 more. You see that? They see the the difference, the comparison. They're like, "Wow, I can get $20,000 more if I'm just patient and I get the rest of the 62 in say a couple of months." And so as soon as they move out, you do a little bit of fix up. Uh, by the way, if you put in 8,000, you'd have to probably add a couple thousand for for insurance and all that stuff. And let's say you put in a little bit more money to fix it up. Let's say another, uh, what, 4,000 for fix up. So let's say all told you did have another 15 into this one, right? But you're in it, you, you put 15 into it. Um, and so really it's the 15 plus the 62, 72, 77. And if you sell it for 100, boom, you know, you're in it at 77, you sold at 100, you just doubled your money again. You see that? We're doing these things all the time, too. Creative investing allows you to do all kinds of awesome stuff. Sometimes you can just get it under contract and flip it and use no money whatsoever, but you did use a little bit of money because in most cases you had to spend time or money on the marketing to find the deals, right? All right, so that's creative investing. That's how you turn a little into a lot. That, this is what I've done. This is what my mentor taught me. This is what I teach my apprentices. And here's the thing. There are cons to this. All right, so we, we've talked about all the benefits. As you can see, it's creativity. Even if you've got bad credit, no credit, none of that matters. you got a little bit of money like this, you can do some awesome stuff. Uh, again, I've got videos on how to do some of these techniques with no money. They're a little bit more rare, but you can do it. I mean, I started from break, you know, absolute broke uh, nothing. But when you have a little bit of money, it can go a long way with creative. All right, so 
these are all these uh, benefits. Uh, oh, real quick, benefit as well. Since you're doing your own marketing, you can create control and consistency. So you know that consistently over time, if you if you apply the certain techniques at certain price points and all this other stuff, uh, you can get a certain number of sellers, which will turn in a couple number of deals. You can create a consistent business that produces great results month in, month out, year in, year out. I love it. I love that about this business. Okay, so there are cons. There are cons. So yes, you can you can get there faster. You can parlay a whole lot of uh, like a little bit of money into a whole lot of money a lot faster. But we'll we'll talk about the cons. Cons number one, and this is by far the biggest con. It requires knowledge. I talk about this in other videos. This knowledge is incredibly valuable. It is among the greatest assets that you could be that you could put into your life is the education of knowing how to do this. Because you can apply this to residential, commercial, just you go on and do great and mighty things, right? But it, it requires specific knowledge. And some of that knowledge, unfortunately, you can't you can read it in a book, but it won't it won't sink in. In other words, you can't learn to ride a bike by reading the manual. You have to actually get on the bike, right? Well, same thing here. You need real-world, hands-on knowledge. And here's the thing. Not many people have it. That's the truth. This is not common knowledge. Again, the traditional side of investing, the 90%, there's tons of that out there. But the true blue knowledge, the wisdom, what I call the signal. You maybe heard me that on another video before. For some of you who have watched a bunch of my videos, this thing's probably bringing a lot of things together at the same time. This is the first video you ever watched of me. Uh, <laughs> I might be going too fast for you. The signal of this business is very rare. It's rare. It has taken our organization a tremendous amount of time to dial all this in. Uh, again, across the country and, and across Canada. I mean, it, it, obviously, my mentor was terrific in my own little local market. He was a very, very sharp business person. But it took me and my team, uh, which many of which the, uh, my early students that were very, very successful became my coaches. It took us a very long time to dial this in. And we're learning stuff all the time. I'm running tests all the time. I spend a ton of money testing out new ideas that I know nobody else in this country is ever going to spend the money on to test. Because we're so we're at a level where we you know we're always trying to get that competitive edge. So the knowledge is extremely rare, and you know what? It also costs money. Welcome to the real world. And I, I don't want to say this too bluntly, but the the fact is, this knowledge is so valuable. It's such an incredibly great asset that it does cost money. The really good stuff costs money. If you're looking to get this knowledge for free. There's always a cost. I was I was closing a deal earlier this week, and I was sitting with the title uh, agent, and she was like, "Yeah, Phil, you know, um, you're you're one of the the great ones around here. I just, I mean, it's amazing consistently how you do these deals. You just do such a great job with them." She goes, "I, I see these people all the time. They go see some seminar, they get all excited, and uh, they think they're going to be able to figure it out. And they don't realize just how complicated it really is." And then some of them learn the lessons the hard way. People think they can learn this business for free, and they learn their they. There ain't no free lunch. All right, so this business does cost money. So if you got $50,000 and you've got absolutely no knowledge, there's going to be some costs associated with gaining this knowledge. And I have other videos that talk about the, the best places to get this. Obviously, I'm a bit biased. I know that if you come to us, 
we know exactly what we're talking about, but we may not be the only ones. I just, I don't know anybody else that has the, the kind of sophistication, the tools, the systems, and the kind of passion that we do. So knowledge is incredibly important. You know what another thing is? Is you have to be a bit ambitious. Ambitious. See, this does require some skills. You've got to be able to talk to sellers. You've got to be able to coordinate sometimes complicated transactions. There's some business sense required. You know, some people, and bless, you know, bless their hearts, they're just, you know, they're not really going to go to that extra level to learn those skills. How to communicate well. Uh, I'm not going to use the word sales skills, but uh, how to be great with uh, clarifying uh, difficult things. I, I'm not a big negotiator, but I like to work with people that are that are already in a, a position where they want to do something creative with me. But it's it's all about ambition, though. They've got to have that drive to want to learn because some of the stuff you'll never learn in school. You're not going to learn from anybody else, not your parents, not your friends. I mean, you only can learn these kind of skills from people who've already done it. Now, my mentor was like that. Man, he was just genius at some of these things that you'd never learn in a book. He never went to college. He barely got out of high school. But his street smarts were just absolutely through the roof. And so what that, what that did for me is that, that he infused that knowledge into me, and that's what we do with our apprentices and whatnot. And it's just this, this I should say, ambitious, you know, I should say business sense. Business sense. All right, here's another one. It's a different kind of competition. But number three, it is um, not many openings. I think that's the word I want to use. The phrase I want to use is not many openings. Okay, this is incredibly powerful, but there's not that many motivated sellers out there. Welcome to the real world. There's just not that many. It's, so traditional investing, you hear agents say, oh, there's all kinds of deals. Well, with creative deals, there's just not that many. The person I'm meeting today, there ain't that many of those out there, y'all. And I think some of you watching this video that have tried this business can attest to that. It goes, yeah, Phil, you're right. There's not many out there. So there's not that many openings, if you will, for, for people. You couldn't just have hundreds of thousands of investors being creative investors. You just can't. Which is why the way my apprentice program works is if we already have a student right in that exact spot, I don't let them in. And uh, these days, because of all the popularity of my YouTube videos, there's a lot of spots that have been taken. I mean, it's a big, you know, United States and Canada are very big countries, so there's still plenty of openings. But at the same time, there's, there's plenty of closed doors. And I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want anybody learning some of the secret techniques that we use uh, in certain places because it would create competition, which we don't want to have, Right. And so there's not that many openings, if you will. So you really do have to be ambitious. You have to want this. You have to really, really want this to be able to do what it takes to break through and gain all that knowledge so that you can get to the point where these things start clicking. Because this is kind of like an all or nothing. You know, you really can't dabble in creative. And so I think that's probably another con. No dabbling. Dabbling is awesome for traditional investors. You can dabble in your first little rental property or your first little rehab. This, you gotta, you've got to get to a level where you have a tremendous amount of knowledge before you can even do your first deal in many cases. Unless you're, you know, you're part of a program like Apprentice Program we have where we just kind of try to shortcut and just give them the, what they need to know now and then what they need to know, you know next week kind of thing. But you've, it's an all or nothing. You've got to have the ambition. Um, you've got to work with the right people who understand exactly what's going on. There's a lot of people that say they know what's going on, but they really don't. 
And um, some of them, they're not being malicious. They just, they, they're, they're um, unconsciously incompetent. They, they don't realize they're incompetent. They, they think they are. So uh, that gives creative investors a bad name. I mean, title agents, attorneys, real estate agents, mortgage brokers, they get really annoyed when they work with people that don't really know what they're doing but are trying to go the creative route. So you saw the benefits and you see the drawbacks here. And this is how you turn a little into a lot with real estate. Those two main ways. You got the traditional and you got the creative. Creative, you will get there faster. Uh, it will be more flexible. You'll have more control. This is how I did it. It's a lot more efficient. Um, and it's, you, know, you, you, can, you can get there not only faster, but you're less likely to have any major catastrophes you know, send you uh, in, into the poorhouse. For example, you know, if, uh, well, I kind of erased it already, but if you do an owner finance, and, and the homeowner, three months later, wants their money, but you, you, know, you haven't sold it because your house is getting stuck on the market and you haven't sold it right, well, what are they going to do? Well, I mean, for them to file a foreclosure would take a long time. I mean, I'm not saying you go take advantage of somebody. I'm just saying that the downside risk is, okay, well, then they have to wait a few more months for their money, which is not good. You, you want to follow through on your word. But again, the, the worst case scenario with creative investing is usually not that bad. And if you're real smart and you and you apply your money wisely, uh, then certainly um, you, you're in a situation where at least you can break even or, or at least make a little bit of money on every single deal you do. All right, well, I hope you have enjoyed this. I have had a blast strategizing what I was going to talk about because it's such a big topic. Real estate is by far the single best vehicle for building wealth. There is nothing that even comes close to it.